Guten Morgen, America. How is the America? Wie geht's, America? America's strong. My dogs looked at me with concern. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm with my beautiful pets. And it's another morning. Good morning here at Reiki Southwest. Dr. Baker, do you have something to say? Anyway, so uh, let's get into it, man. Midas Touch. Trump crime family. This was posted three weeks ago. Um, Stephanie Vin Winston. Winston. Stephanie Winston Volkov joins the Midas brothers to expose Trump crime family again. This is the Midas Touch Wedding edition. Jordy oh, no. is getting married. Jordy Again? is not on the podcast, <laughs> but a big celebration for your favorite Midas brother. You the music, Jordy. Dun, dun, da, da. Well, Jordy's not the bride, but we're gonna still play the music. Dun, dun, da, da. Congratulations, yeah. Jordy. Congrats, Jordy. We are so proud of you. We love you so much. What a big weekend coming he gets up. Married, I love the Midas like, so many times to share in this fall. So I know Midas they're really upset right now that Jordy's not here. Last time me and you, Ben, did an episode together, the number one comments were, where's Jordy? But that's why we're going to bring the energy today. We're Just bringing we energy. excited about democracy. And guess what? Do you feel that, Ben? you feel that? you hear that? you hear I that? I hear it. I feel it. The ground it's... is shaking. The earth is moving beneath our feet. Right now, the tide is turning, the tsunami is building, the blue tsunami, Thank God. of course. What a momentum shift for the Democrats. A huge momentum shift for the Democrats, and it's because the Democrats stand for pro-democracy. The Democrats stand for protecting people's rights. So it was no surprise the, result, the results earlier this week in Kansas, for example, when overwhelmingly people in Kansas protected their constitutional right, their state constitutional right to reproductive rights, the right to have an abortion in that state, there was a vote to overturn that constitutional right and the vote no, not to overturn the constitutional right, won by like double digits in All an right. area that is you know, has a large number of Republican voters, far more Republican voters in Kansas than Democrats. Brett? Well, first, I just want to announce, before we dig into this all, I need to tell everybody who are guests this. Oh, tell them We got Stephanie Winston Walcott, former advisor to Melania Trump, is on the show. She was one of the original whistleblowers in the Trump administration, really from day one basically about the presidential inaugural committee excited i mean everyone knows stephanie stephanie is amazing excited to get her insight on all things i always want to check in with stephanie brett though because we can't lose track of all these other trump broad grips that are taking place there's so many there's so many that's taking place and tom barrack who worked with donald trump and led the presidential inaugural committee uh, Tom Barrick is on trial. I think it's this September, maybe October, but it's coming up in the next few weeks. He's on trial for essentially selling the United States of America to the United Arab Emirates. That's what he's tried with. He's also charged with a number of obstruction counts as well. Uh, but 
He was only charged with that, but he was basically selling America's yeah. interests. It appeared, at least, he was selling America's interests to the highest bidder out there in general. America Trump. first! That was the very first thing that Trump did. I don't know if you remember this, Brad, but early on in the Trump administration, literally, before the administration was even an administration, they had those cameras, those C-SPAN cameras, the yeah, uh, the Trump Tower. Tower. Yeah, and you would literally see like the foreign emissaries like walk in one by one with like bags that I'm not saying that they're bags filled with cash, but they were basically the equivalent of that. And they would just sell off the country. That's what they started plotting. The, you know, the lots of the major, major, major points of how could we use the presidency to further enrich ourselves? Yeah, what we saw, you know, back then with Stephanie was Someone in the room with them who might judge them and they might think 
officers judging them. But when they get in that ballot box and actually vote, they're not voting to take away their own rights. They understand that this is an important health care decision that is theirs and theirs alone to make. Well, I think what's really important, too, when you look at Kansas is the amount of unaffiliated voters uh, as well as you know, independent voters who vote in that Kansas election. And it was basically a statewide election. It was an interesting thing that in their primaries for the midterms, this referendum was put on the ballot for them to basically vote whether or not they would overturn a constitutional right, a state constitutional right. That, so for people who are concerned, there's the federal constitutional right that existed with Roe v. Wade, but that right has been overturned. But within the various states, states have recognized their own constitutional rights. And in Kansas, they wanted to introduce this legislation to try to overturn that state constitutional right to ban abortion in Kansas. And people voted no there, but it was really a coalition of unaffiliated and Democrats. And if you look at just the Kansas numbers, you see the unaffiliated people identifying as unaffiliated is is rising almost to the same level as Republicans who are registered in the state. There are more Republicans than Democrats in the state of Kansas. And I think that is a trend we are seeing across the country, too. And I think that is a trend that I see in lots of people who I and you talk to because the nation doesn't like extremism, right? The nation does like a level of moderation, a level of normalcy. And when we use the term like conservative, this is why I always say I think I'm far more conservative than a lot of, you know, than, than the MAGA people. Like, I believe in conserving our democracy. I believe in conserving our institutions, our judiciary. Right. I believe in I believe in a stable, a stable system. It's not a conservative movement anymore. It's a purely neo-fascist movement. So when neo-fascist, when you refer to them as conservative, you're giving them this political cover, and and you're not doing just honestly. You're not being honest as a journalist. You could pretend like, oh, well, they're going to say I'm liberal biased if I call them neo-fascist. But guess what? You're just not being honest with your audience, and it's important now more than ever to be honest with your audience and call it what it is. Exactly. You call them conservative and this liberal. It just those labels don't make sense anymore. And so I do think you have Democrats riled up. You have unaffiliated riled up. And then what we also see, though, Brett, as we look, though, in certain you know local races too, sometimes, you know, with the extremists, I mean, the ultra MAGA extremists, they want extremism, right? So if you look in a place like Arizona, Rusty Bowers, who was the speaker of the House in Arizona a long time, Republican, someone who's actually conservative, he loses his seat in an area where the voter turnout was like 30,000 voters or so. Like, it's not a huge voter turnout. Yeah. And it actually doesn't surprise me that someone like Rusty Bowers would lose that election. I mean, extremism in that Republican primary, they want to elect extremist candidates. Yeah. And you and I had this debate yesterday when, you know, when it comes to the Republican primary, which is like, do you want them to nominate the extremist candidate who the Democrats have a higher likelihood of defeating? Um, or do you want them to elect someone who's more moderate, someone who leans more in the middle and who, for example, supported the Trump impeachment? Or, you know, and we look at that at the governor's level and at the House level. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting debate because you never want to root for a radical extremist. But to some extent, it's important that Democrats 
our, you know, win and we hold our seats in the House, we hold the Senate, um, and we expand in the Senate. Where, where, where do you come out on that, Brett? I, I really don't have a good I really don't have, there's no right answer. I really don't have a good answer. When I was watching the results come in, I was sort of taking everything as, like, oh, it's a win-win either way. Like, you know, I don't want these extremists to even have a shot at power, but if it makes the Democrats' chances that much more, and if you saw, like, you know, the political report and things like that, whenever one of these Trump extremist candidates won, it immediately shifted to a lean Democrat uh, district or, or state or whatever the race was. And so that's important. You want to win seats. Then again, you know, we saw what happens when you play with fire in 2016 and everybody assumed that Donald Trump was a complete and total joke and guess what he won and he destroyed the country so you know that's why I'm I'm, I'm not a fan of like kind of playing with fire and, and getting involved in it like I, I know you know there are a lot of people are Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona and KPYT, Pasquayaki Tribal Radio. Is that it? Oh. January Insurrection, okay. And the minus if they, uh, Trump files bizarre supplemental motion two, hour, two hours ago. Uh, another bizarre motion. Supplemental motion. Okay. This is Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network, and this He's is just a published. breaking news alert. So, Donald Trump with two hours to spare from a court deadline set by the federal district judge in the southern district of Florida, Eileen Cannon. Trump filed his supplemental motion to a prior motion that he filed on Monday, which was styled as a motion for judicial oversight and additional relief, which we discussed on the Midas Touch Network, really isn't a real motion. And so let me just rewind for a little bit before telling you about what Donald Trump filed with two hours to spare before his midnight deadline set by the federal judge. So we've always been talking about the search warrant that was executed on Mar-a-Lago on August 8th. A magistrate judge, Judge Reinhardt, is overseeing those proceedings and today uh, portions were unsealed. That was part of Judge Reinhardt's unsealing order and from August 8th to the present, Donald Trump and his lawyers, while whining about on his failing social media platform, everything that's taking place in that proceeding, didn't do the bare minimum work, which was to literally file any pleading whatsoever in that case. The interveners who were referenced in that Judge Reinhardt case, who were even asking the affidavit to be unsealed, was actually the media. Trump, while he's whined and said, unseal the affidavit, uh, filed no documents in that uh, court before Judge Reinhardt asking that those documents be unsealed. Um, and so instead, Donald Trump filed this past week, two weeks later, on August 22nd, in a new court case before a different judge, federal judge Eileen Cannon. Eileen Cannon is a Article Three federal judge, whereas... Uh, judge Reinhardt is a magistrate judge. Magistrate judges are appointed by federal judges. Federal judges are appointed and confirmed um, 
they're appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate in a confirmation process, and the federal judges appoint magistrates, but magistrates are the ones who sign search warrants, and so we can do a deeper dive into that in a later video, but rather than doing anything in the magistrate case where the search warrant was validly and lawfully executed, Trump filed this motion, right, and this motion for a judicial oversight was asking for a special master. It was asking for uh, the government to stop looking at the documents <laughs> weeks after the search had taken place and the government likely had reviewed all of the records. And the government already had its own uh, filter team in place to review privileged documents, um, but asked them to stop, but didn't actually file a motion for an injunction. Um, and then the motion just called for kind of other miscellaneous relief, which was basically Donald Trump just whining. So that happened on Monday of this week. Then on Tuesday of this week, Judge Eileen Cannon, um, in response to that motion, basically filed a paperless order saying to Donald Trump, I really don't know what it is you filed. File a supplemental motion by Friday um, and let me know, are you asking for an injunction what is the jurisdiction that I even have to hear this versus Judge Reinhardt, who's already the judge in the other case? How would any relief that I would give impact Judge Reinhardt? And have you even served the government? Like the first thing you have to do when you file the case, right, is you have to serve the side with the summons of the complaint and let them know, hey, a lawsuit's been filed because in the real court system, it's not like you can just whine about it on social media. So. Finally, with two hours to go on the East Coast, Donald Trump's lawyers filed their supplemental motion for judicial oversight and additional relief. And rather than start with the beginning, I have to take it to the end of this motion because it just shows you how embarrassing it is. So Trump has not even served the government before. So instead of serving so the government through the formal process, because courts have formal processes. If you look at the last paragraph where Trump's lawyers talk about the procedures that have been taken for service of process, on August 22nd, when the complaint or whatever the heck Donald Trump filed, they simply sent an email to Jay Bratt, the chief of the counterintelligence and export control section of the DOJ. Here, here you go, buddy. Here's a court document. Like, that's not valid service. That's not effective service at all. Um, and then no conversations and, until August 25th, 2022, where finally Trump's lawyers, this is what it says, counsel for movement, movement Trump, spoke with Mr. Brad on August 25th, 2022, and inquired as to the government's position of acceptance of service. Okay, why wouldn't you call him on the day, if you're going to do a stupid email, why don't you make a phone call to him that day? So you wait until August 25th to inquire, and then Brad says... That's not what I do. I'm not the service guy, okay? I'm the top counterintelligence official. I'm not just a random person. Go follow the rules and do it yourself. So if you look at the end of the paragraph, the lawyers go, move it, which is Trump, will promptly serve it and a copy of the pleadings on the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Florida and will promptly file proof of service thereafter. So they admit in the last paragraph they didn't even serve the complaint whatsoever. So the government technically isn't even on notice of this because Trump's lawyers don't even know how to serve a complaint correctly and just sent a random email, okay? Then you go into the actual um, motion itself and when you read whatever their supplemental motion is, 
they basically say the fact that there were all of these redactions that were in the uh, affidavit which was released today in Judge Reinhardt's proceeding, that that is the reason why judicial relief in this case is necessary. And they basically claim what's really needed here is equitable uh, relief and that that's the judge's authority, that the judge has equitable powers. And to do and to make this claim, they cite of all cases the Rudy Giuliani search warrant case. And in that case, the government asked for a special master. It wasn't Rudy Giuliani who had asked for a special master. In fact, in the search warrant case of Rudy Giuliani in 2021 before Judge Otkin, uh, Rudy Giuliani demanded all of the documents and Rudy Giuliani asked um, to see a copy of the affidavit. And there, Judge Otkin denied Rudy Giuliani the ability to even see the affidavit. By the way, Judge Reinhardt allowed portions to be unsealed today. Rudy Giuliani didn't even get to see any portions of the affidavit. Um, and upon the government's request, not Giuliani's request, although Giuliani didn't object to the search warrant, the judge there said, sure, you can have a special master. But in that case, it involved a unique set of circumstances where Giuliani was serving as a lawyer. So the issues were issues of attorney-client privilege. Here, with respect to Trump, he didn't even cite in his motion anywhere anything about attorney-client privilege. They use the word privilege occasionally, but what privilege is he even referring to where you would ever even need a special master? Is it executive privilege? Because executive privilege doesn't lie with former presidents. Executive privilege is held by the current president, President Biden. And President Biden says there's no executive privilege over these documents. Trump doesn't argue there's attorney-client privilege. In fact, Trump doesn't really argue anything in this motion because yet again, there is no declarations attached to this motion. There's no affidavits attached to the motion. The motion just basically like a version of this. Yo, what's up, judge? Hey, judge, you think you can get me an injunction? You think you can appoint for me a special master? There's no declaration that sets forth facts. There's no information with details provided by Trump. We don't see any declarations under penalty of perjury by Trump, right? Instead, we have Donald Trump throwing his lawyers under the bus who they have to sign their names to these pleadings. And there's nowhere here in this declaration where Donald Trump says definitively anywhere, hey, there isn't top secret compartmented information. I have no clue why I'm being searched. There's nothing to see here at all. He doesn't even argue that. If that was your main point, that is what you're going to argue. And in Rudy Giuliani's case, you know, the court basically said, Rudy Giuliani, you don't get to see the affidavit. Um, so to cite Rudy Giuliani's case and then say, because Trump hasn't seen the unredacted uh, or, or hasn't seen the redacted portions of the deposition. That's why he should get relief here. It's the exact opposite. The Rudy Giuliani case stands for essentially the opposite proposition that Trump is uh, citing. And Trump doesn't really provide any grounds why Judge Reinhardt is not capable of making these decisions on his own. I mean, he says that magistrate judges are unable to hear injunctions and injunctions have to go before uh, federal judges. But what this is, this isn't an injunction. Like to file an injunction, injunctions have to be accompanied by declarations and affidavits and demonstrations of irreparable harm that the affiant, that the declarant actually states under penalty of perjury. You know, number one and number two, 
Of course, Judge Reinhardt's capable of reviewing it. In fact, what we know from the unsealed affidavit before Judge Reinhardt is that the government set forth a very detailed filter team protocol that when people would go into Trump's office or the Pine Room or where all of these confidential documents were throughout the floor, this filter team by the DOJ would go in first. They would review the documents for privilege. And then after they reviewed it for privilege, the non-privileged documents would go to those uh, DOJ officers and officials and FBI officials who were handling the criminal investigation. And Judge Reinhardt signed off on that. And Trump's been silent in that case. Even to this very day, this will be the third week, Trump's remained silent in this Judge Reinhardt, uh, in the Judge Reinhardt case. So again, this relief is just a bunch of whining on a legal paper. Frankly, the fact that uh, the federal judge, Judge Eileen Cannon, even allowed Trump to file this and kind of guided him and kind of gave him the baby steps of, of even asking him these questions, I mean, most federal judges would have laughed you out of court. Now, the one variable here, which is we'll have to keep our eye on, is Judge Eileen Cannon is a Trump appointee. She was appointed by Trump in 2020. She's been a member of the Federalist Society since 2005. But even then, you know, judges need to have dignity and respect amongst the other judicial officers within the community. And if she, if she were to grant any of this relief from his complaining and whining, I mean, she'd totally lose, you know, you know, all credibility whatsoever. And so you know, that's basically the roundup of what Trump just filed. Again, a mishmash of whining, uh, complaining, not understanding the law, um, and filing it with uh, two hours to spare. So this has been Mycellus with the Midas Touch Network. Hope that update was helpful. Make sure you hit the subscribe button right now. Please hit the subscribe button right now and support independent media. Right on. Good job.